welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. Isham invites you to log on, listen, and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Isham Nation, welcome to the Process This Podcast. This is episode number 37. As always, we have a great show for you today because today we are speaking to Tammy Hickok about loaned instrumentation. Now, Isham Nation, expect excitement and love your experience at the Isham Annual Conference and Expo in Columbus, Ohio. Now, Columbus is known for its wide variety of culinary and cultural attractions and is also well known for its warm and welcoming atmosphere. So the excitement is real, the time is now, and the place is with us. So I hope you are just as excited about Columbus as I am. So our guest speaker today is Tammy Heacock. Now Heacock is the Director of Sterile Processing for St. Elizabeth Healthcare in Inglewood, Kentucky. Heacock began her career as a surgical technologist at Broman, transitioning into interoperative monitoring where she remained for 15 years before becoming an adjunct faculty member at Parkland College, where she taught in the surgical technology program. Heacock then rejoined Broman as a sterile processing supervisor and transitioned into the role of business manager of perioperative services and sterile processing at Broman and Eureka Hospitals for five years. Tammy then took a position as Sterile Processing Manager at Wake Forest Medical Center in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. She holds certificates in the CRCST, CIS, CHL, and CNIM. Now, Tammy received her MBA in August of 2020, so congratulations. Tammy currently serves on the Amy Standards Working Group and also the Endoscope Advisory Board for ASP. She has also spoken at two ISHM conferences several ISHM chapter meetings, and at the Census Technology User Conference. She is currently a subject matter expert for the ISHM CHL exam. Thank you, Tammy, for joining the ISHM Nation today. Thank you for having me, John. I'm excited for this opportunity. Great. So our first question today is, healthcare facilities have been working with loan instruments for a long time, and it seems that the coordination and the reprocessing of loan instruments is still a challenge for many facilities. Why do you think this remains a challenge? Well, John, there's a lot to unpack with that question, but I'm going to start with a term that you're going to hear a lot throughout this podcast, and that's education. Unfortunately, many vendors and members of the operating room still don't understand what goes into processing a vendor tray. They focus on, it should only take an hour and a half. It's only an hour and a half sterilization cycle. How can it possibly take four hours? So the education and communication aspect is always going to remain a challenge until we as sterile processing experts communicate and educate the operating room and the vendors themselves. Another issue is a lack of inventory for the vendors. While they may be acutely aware of how many surgeries they have scheduled for that day, their company may only have one or two of these specialized sets available for that region and sometimes for the entire state. Their inventory is based on the number of cases they did the year before. So their inventory is based on surgeries for the previous year. So if a hospital would happen to add three more surgeons, 
at that site, the company is not going to give that vendor additional inventory just based on the fact that, hey, we hired three more surgeons. We need more sets. It can take up to 12 months sometimes to increase that inventory. So we're forced to bring instrument sets in. The vendor is forced to bring instrument sets in late and sometimes with high turnover during the day. Another challenge that I think we'll we'll continue to see is the lack of policies and accountability to the policies that do exist. Many facilities throughout the United States and also internationally have no policies for vendor trays in place at all. And if there is a policy, not many of the team members in SPD or the OR or the vendors themselves are aware of what that policy is. And SPD management rarely has backup from the OR team leadership to enforce any policies that are in place. Additionally, a lot of times interpretation of said policy and how to follow it is left to the individual. So can you tell us a little bit about the loaner processes that you've developed at your facilities? So our policy at St. Elizabeth is that the vendors should have any loaner sets, and I'm doing air quotes that you cannot see. <laughs> um, and loaner trays is a term that is, you know, often confused with consigned trays. So any set that is brought in by a vendor that does not live at our facility is considered a loaner. So any loaner set that is brought in should be at the facility within 48 hours of the scheduled procedure. Our policy is written to say within 48 hours of the scheduled procedure, and that often is very confusing and hard to track. So if you say 48 hours and the surgery is scheduled at 2.30, you know, you have to do the time math there, which is, you know, not something I like to do. So we have kind of revamped it. And also 48 hours for the inventory reasons that we just mentioned was really not realistic. So we set that back to 24 hours and they have to be there by 9 a.m. the day before surgery is scheduled in the hospital ready to process. And to clarify what ready to process means, because for every vendor, that means something a little bit different. Ready to process to John, the non-compliant vendor means, hey, I walked in the door, it is in my tub and I got it to you. But ready to process for us at St. Elizabeth means it has an updated digital IFU, preferably. It can be printed off. All instruments are in their proper container. And pictures of all sets have been taken and all instruments in that set, including implants. And they are checked in, meaning they have went through. We have our instrument tracking software allows us to have the vendors check the tray in themselves gives it a timestamp as to what time it arrived to the hospital. So it's a great accountability tool. At St. Elizabeth, the vendors are allowed to check them in themselves. There is plenty of opportunity there when you allow the vendors, and most vendors do not do this. I'm speaking of a, a minority here. They can take a Google image of their instrument set. And it might be missing four or five things out of that set, right? Mm-hmm. But your policy is you have to have a picture with your set. They know those things are missing. They don't want to take a picture showing they're missing. They just take a Google image, insert it, check it in. It's missing after surgery. Then we have to pay for a missing item that was truly not there. So ideally, we would like to revamp our policy and make it an SPD team member in conjunction with a vendor. That would be the ideal. 
So what were some concerns that you had when you implemented your plan? So my concerns, like I spoke of earlier, and the team's concerns were as well, that we would not gain support from the OR team, specifically from the surgeons. And I'll speak of this later in the podcast as well. It's very easy, and I feel honestly that sterile processing takes the blame for a lot of gaps in processes, mainly because we're the people you don't see. We're the hidden gem in the basement. When a surgeon is upset about a vendor not having an instrument set there, he's not going to yell at the surgical technologist. He's not going to yell at the vendor whose son or daughter may or may not be playing golf with them on Saturday. They develop friendships and relationships outside of the hospital that, you know, they would feel bad yelling at your friend. You would, John would feel bad yelling at me. So it's very easy to just blame sterile processing. No one ever sees us. We were very concerned about negative impact this could have on our patients and their safety. We'll talk about what we do to hold vendors accountable later in the podcast. But one of the things that was brought up was cancel surgery. You know, if they don't have the set here in time, this is an easy fix. We'll just cancel surgery. We shouldn't have to do it that often. And then they'll fall in line. Unfortunately, the only person that suffers then is the patient. And additionally, we were concerned that having a policy that SPD would have to enforce could ruin the already fragile relationship we have with the OR and the vendors. We didn't feel like it was fair to put all of the onus on SPD. We felt like, you know, it should be a partnership. Unfortunately, ultimately, SPD was charged with writing the policy and communicated with the OR. But there were a few things we had to leave in the policy that the OR nor the vendors were very happy with. So a a big concern was the fragility of our relationship. Now, can you talk about some of those roadblocks that you faced when you implemented this? John, did you say we only had 30 minutes? (laughs) 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 Yes, I'll I'll hit the highlights. So in the interest of time, Um, consistency. Consistency was um, a large roadblock. I spoke of it earlier. You could have a vendor check a tray in on Tuesday afternoon at 1 o'clock for a Wednesday surgery at 9 a.m., depending on who the lead tech or the supervisor was that day. It would be like, yeah, all right, you know. Just don't let it happen again. Seriously, I'm, I'm not going to write it down. I won't tell my manager, what have you. Yeah, we'll work to get it done. And then, you know, John comes in on Wednesday again at two o'clock in the afternoon and it's a different lead tech or different ortho tech. And they say, you know, no, forget it. We're, we're not going to process your trays and I, I need to call my manager and we need to notify the surgeon. You know, that makes the vendor not respect the policy for one thing, but definitely not respect the SPD team. Even in smaller departments, everyone seems to put their own spin on how to interpret the policy. And we had several surgeons actually approach us and say, well, you have to make an exception for my vendor because. Hmm. So just trying to make the policy consistent and make, make sure everyone was educated on the policy and aware that this policy has to be followed to the T every time. And then just setting the policy itself was a major roadblock. It had to be realistic, but it had to encompass all of, you know, all of our needs as well. And trying to develop an accountability tool was also a major roadblock. That was like trying to move Grandfather Mountain, to be honest. Nobody could agree to how we're going to hold the vendors accountable. Again, if you cancel surgery, 
you punish the patient and the patient's family. You know, we have patients that are coming from nursing homes, and these are pre-COVID days, where logistically getting transportation from the nursing home to the hospital for that total hip that the patient may have been waiting two plus years for, and then we're going to cancel their surgery because a vendor didn't get the tray there on time, that doesn't harm SPD, that doesn't harm surgery, and it doesn't harm the vendor. We're all going to get our money eventually because that surgery is going to reschedule. But the patient, the patient's harmed, the nursing home is harmed, the patient's family is harmed. Maybe, you know, your mother lives in Florida and she's having surgery in Florida and you've taken a week's PTO to fly to Florida to be with her for a recovery. Now, most of us can't just fly home and say, hey, they canceled my mom's surgery. I'm going to need a different week off. Developing an accountability tool was very difficult. And again, creating buy-in with the OR was a major roadblock. Again, they OR typically took the vendor's side, thought the policy was too harsh. Just educating everyone and communicating with everyone and getting everyone to agree on a realistic policy. So anytime you implement something new, you know, things things may go wrong, they may go right, but when things didn't go as planned, was there any type of process that you used to follow up? Well, unfortunately, <laughs> I always say if you plan for times of war, you will greatly enjoy your time of peace. Mm. Um, I did not plan for World War III. We did not plan well. So we did not initiate a formalized plan for late arrivals or things like holes and wrappers or missing filters or filter locks. And we learned a lot. Failure to plan taught us a lot. We now, we just noticed trends that because we don't allow vendors to check in on the weekends for our policy, everything needs to be checked in by Friday at four o'clock for a Monday morning case. We found that wasn't always adhered to. So a vendor might check something in on Sunday night. No one's going to process that because our policy is that we don't process loaner instruments on the weekends, right? So kudos to the team for following the policy. But then Monday morning, first shift comes in at 6 a.m., you've got a 7 o'clock start time, and your vendor trays are down. Now we have a problem. We decided that we needed a plan for war in our time of peace, and that for now, we still don't have a quote-unquote formalized plan, but for now, we notice typically Monday mornings are the most difficult. That's where we have the most opportunity. That's where the biggest gaps in our policy were. So we have additional staff come in early in the morning on Monday mornings just to process any loaner trays that may or may not have been brought in on the weekend. For hospitals that have people that are staffed 24-7, Monday morning doesn't seem like a big deal. You could just assign a certain person that four o'clock in the morning on Monday morning, they start on loaners, you get them done. But again, you still need that follow-up process of you need to communicate out to the vendor and the surgeon that they brought the tray in late so that everybody is aware Again, our policy is we just try to throw a certain number of people at the trays to get them done as quickly as possible. Again, if we don't notice it until 6 a.m., that surgery is going to be delayed. So then you have to communicate out to the OR right away. So like you said, working relationships and partnerships are extremely important. Can you share some tips on how to develop those partnerships between the vendor reps and OR and sterile processing? I'd love to, John. And like I said, you're going to hear the term education quite a bit because uh, to me, that is the best way to develop relationships with anyone. 
no matter what your profession is or what you're doing, even if it's in social aspects. If people don't understand what you're doing and why you're doing it, it's going to be very difficult to establish a relationship with them. The OR, as a surgical technologist, when you're in school, you go through, I think they may have increased it to two weeks now, but when I was in school to be a surgical technologist, we had one week of training in sterile processing. And anyone that's ever worked in sterile processing knows there's not a lot you can learn in a week. Educating the surgical technologists, the charge nurses, the directors, the managers, everyone in the operating room should know exactly how long and what actually goes into processing any tray, especially loaner trays. And in addition to that, I think educating the vendors on what it takes to process their trays so that they're acutely aware of how long it actually takes. They all have IFUs, but if I were a betting person, I would throw down at least $100,000 that not a single vendor that dropped off a tray could tell you what their IFU states. Typically, what they're going to say is, well, just sterilize it like you sterilized that set that I brought in last week. Yes. Oh, 274.30? They look at you with this face like, what is she talking about? Those are the sterilization parameters. Do you know if that can go in an ultrasonic? What's an ultrasonic? <laughs> exactly. So they only know that it takes X amount of time to go through a sterilization cycle. They don't understand that it has to soak in an enzymatic solution or that it takes us so long to flush out a lumen item they have in the pan. And then after we get done with the mechanical washing, it has to go into an ultrasonic that may take 30 minutes. After the ultrasonic, it has to go into a washer that can take 45 minutes. After the washer, it has to dry. And then after that, we have to inspect every single piece in that tray to make sure it doesn't have bio burden, cement, all sorts of fun stuff that show up in those instrument loaners. I found McDonald's toys. I found <laughs> cigarette butts, French fries. Wow. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and those all made it through a washer. So, I mean, you, you truly do have to inspect every level, every instrument. And people don't understand that. The OR doesn't understand that. The vendors don't understand that. So as sterile processing professionals, it is our job to educate them and make them understand. People don't know what they don't know, and you can't expect them to any more than I would expect someone from sterile processing to go scrub a total knee. Now, there is a lot of coordination that goes on between loaned instruments, and that's with physician offices, uh, the OR, the vendor, and sterile processing. How do you make sure that everyone is in the loop? Communication and technology. Technology has become communication's best friend. We all know that in today's world, it is uh, nearly impossible to get away from anyone. They will find a way to get a hold of you. They will Facebook message you. <laughs> they will text you. They will find a way to find you. And that is great for communication between surgeons' offices, the ORs, vendors, and sterile processing. Fortunately for us, and now back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth and I started in sterile processing, <laughs> doing loaners was very simple. You know, they brought the tray in when they brought the tray in, you washed it, you sterilized it, and you got it ready. There were no questions asked. But today we have these technologies, these loaner software systems that are just incredible. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing to me to see what they can do for you. A surgeon's office um, with some of the software, not all have this robust 
capabilities, but most do. As soon as the surgeon's office schedules with the hospital, it can ping the surgeon, the sterile processing department, and the vendor themselves. And not only does it make them aware that, you know, John Smith's surgeon has scheduled a left total hip for Monday, March 12th at 7 a.m., it actually lifts the sets that are needed. So then vendor Q can go in and say, yep, I have those sets in my trunk. I will have them to the hospital and type in a cute little message and say, yep, I received a message. It goes to yellow. It gets to the sterile processing department. Again, it's time stamped every step that's missing. Maybe he has seven of the eight trays, but we're still waiting on number eight. It'll highlight number eight in red to let the OR, the surgeon, and sterile processing and the vendor all know that we're still missing one tray. Even if you don't buy the add-on software, most of the instrument tracking systems have some type of loaner module that can help communicate between the OR and sterile processing. So communication and technology are your two best friends. So you mentioned earlier that the rep may not exactly know how to process his own sets. They, they know some key numbers like 270 or four minutes. How do you ensure that you have the up-to-date IFUs for all those instruments received? Is it part of some sort of written plan that you have? Yes, John, it's part of our policy that every instrument set, um, now once it's arrived at the hospital and it, it, we prefer it to be digitally because then we can upload it into our instrument tracking software and then we have it there at all times. Once it's come into the hospital, we have it uploaded. We don't require it every time it comes in. But if it's a new set, you're required to either bring in a digital IFU or a written. We prefer the digital. Typically, those are more up to date. If they cannot do that for whatever reason, our team members are aware they need to use something such as, I'm, I'll just say one source. That's what we have at our hospital. They know we cannot process anything, whether it's a loaner instrument or something that Surgeon Q brings down and says, hey, process this for me. I need, to, I need it for my next surgery. If we can't find an IFU somewhere for it via OneSource or Google, it can't be processed. So what happens, and I know this never happens anywhere, but what happens <laughs> when the loaner sets are delivered late? And you're right. I, I really don't know how to answer that question, John, because I've never seen that happen. <laughs> Again, we spoke about it earlier. We haven't developed, and I, I would love to say that I have the golden wand, simple solution. This is what you should do every time a vendor is late, and this will fix all your problems. Unfortunately, I'm still working, so that means I have not developed that. <laughs> what we do is, like I spoke of earlier, we put it on a spreadsheet. We track it. We, you know, we don't go to the surgeon every single time, right? Because that's just going to annoy the surgeon. And then they're going to see Tammy come up and they're going to be like, oh, there's that director of sterile processing again. She's going to complain about synthes. I don't want to hear it. It's Monday morning. Got better things to deal with. So we kind of use the baseball three strikes, you're out. So we, we give three frees. And then on the fourth occurrence, that's what we call them occurrences, the fourth time they're delivered late, then we go to the surgeon with the spreadsheet and say, you know, John, the non-compliant vendor has shown up this date, this was the time, these are the sets he brought in, and this is how many times it's happened. I was very surprised at how 
upset the surgeons were was funny because he said, why didn't you tell me this the first time? And I said, well, I just didn't want to annoy you. So, well, just so you know, he told me he brought these sets in on Friday night and your department, they sat in your department all weekend and you guys just didn't do them. So then it made me go back to the drawing board. Do I really want to annoy the surgeon every time? But right now we're, we're sticking with the three strikes you're out. I feel like it helps the relationships with the vendors. They don't feel like you're being a tattletale because things, life does happen for them. And, and they do get late notice and surgeons do call them last minute and say, Hey, I know it's Sunday night at nine o'clock, but I just looked at patient X's x-rays and I, I think I'm going to use a completely new system when I do our total knee tomorrow. Can you get that stuff there tonight? So, you know, we don't process instruments on the weekend, right? But mm. poor John, the non-compliant vendor, it's really not his fault. So we make notes of that. And then at the end of the month, we can communicate that out to the OR and SPD leadership teams. And if we have to escalate it, which we've not had to do yet, um, we can escalate it to a district manager. So does your facility have problems with uh, loaner reps not picking up sets in a reasonable time after they're used? Of course not. They wait around patiently until they come out of the washer disinfector and they load them on the cart and they get them out of our facility within two hours of surgical closure. Uh. Um, <laughs> again, there's that rainbow unicorn and gumdrop world. Uh, yes, we do. And like every sterile processing department everywhere in the world or that I've ever been to, we don't have space, right? We don't have space for the things that we own and the things that we need. So we definitely don't have space for loaner instruments. Our policy is pick them up within 72 hours of the surgical procedure schedule time. We don't do that down to the hour. You know, it's three days. If you had surgery, if the surgery was on Monday, we expect you to have them out by Wednesday, Thursday morning at the latest. It was kind of like, well, what happens if we don't? And for a long time, it was the same answer of what happens if we're late? Nothing. So they didn't. And we just had this room that was just busting at the seams with loaner sets that no one was picking up. Myself, I'm thinking, well, you know, you always blame lack, lack of inventory on why you can't get your sets here on time. Well, geez, oh, Pete, I have half your inventory in the <laughs> closet. So I understand your inventory struggles. So we sent out, we, it, we took two months, we sent out a quote unquote, get to know you letter about our policy and what would happen if they did not come in and pick up the trays. We waited two weeks, we sent a follow up letter, another two weeks, another follow up. And at the end of the two months, and a week before it happened, we sent out, you know, the final eviction notice, all but two of our vendors complied. And the two that didn't, I want to say it was one of them was 27 separate sets and the other was 32. Wow. So it was a significant number of sets. And we all know those vendor sets, you know, they, they weigh a lot. So we ship them back to their company at their company's expense. So then we get a phone call from company X saying, what in the world? How did this happen? You know, because it goes back to their distribution center. It doesn't go to their regional manager. So now everyone is in trouble. We've only had that happen one more time. I would, it's, it's very effective. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that would be one suggestion on how to solve that problem with not picking up sets. Be ready to play hardball because if, if you say it, like I said, make sure you give them plenty of time, but be ready to back it up because if you, if you say you're going to do that and then you don't, 
your problem's just going to grow. Yeah. So what advice would you give to a facility that's really struggling with loaners? So you know what I'm going to say there. (laughs) Educate everyone on your policy. And when you think you've educated people enough, educate them again. Again, they don't understand what sterile processing is. They don't understand what we do. It makes me cringe every time I hear it. Before I die, I swear to all my sterile processing gods, I'm going to make everyone understand we are not glorified dishwashers. Mm -hmm. I hear that and it literally makes my skin burn. But in their minds, that's what we are. To them, it's as simple as taking a dish out of the sink and putting it in a dishwasher and hitting a button. And it is our job to educate them to the difficulties and the struggles that we go through every day and the importance of our job. Like I said, if we don't get it right, they're not going to get it right. But we need to make them understand that. And we can't make them understand that unless they understand our process. Last question. Do you recommend any resources to help with instrument planning, handling, or follow-up? Yes. Again, our good friend, technology. Technology helps us with communication. Communication is key. There are multiple loaner softwares that have been developed in the last five years. Like I said, 10 years ago, it was just kind of, I don't think most places had even heard of a vendor policy. If they did, it was very insightful. And we were all like, whoa, you have a vendor policy? That is so cool. But in today's world, I know SPM and SensorTrack both have loaner modules that are built in with their instrument tracking system. Now, they are not as robust as the software that I talked about earlier, where it will communicate out to the surgeon's offices or that it's not integrated with the surgical scheduling. But you can buy add-ons with SensorTrack. I think it's called LonerLink. And with SPM, I believe, well, CaseCheck integrates with SPM. So, There's wonderful technology out there if your budget allows for it. I highly suggest using it. Like I said, it takes the human error out of it. You can't forget to tell someone that you scheduled something. A vendor can't say that no one notified them. But, you know, they're expensive, like all technology. And not every sterile processing budget allows for that. I would suggest partnering with the OR for budgetary concerns because it does benefit the OR as well. And usually the OR has a little bit better budget than we do. If technology is not at all obtainable, then just set a realistic policy that is obtainable for all involved. Don't make it SPD specific where it only benefits your department because it will fail. And make sure you communicate that policy and educate everyone involved on that policy. When you think you've identified all the key stakeholders, that means you've forgotten 10. So reach out to everyone, communicate to everyone, and over-educate. Tammy, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you for your insight into loan instrumentation. Thank you, John. Tammy, thank you for speaking with us today. Thank you for sharing your knowledge uh, when it comes to loan instrumentation. Isham Nation episode number 37 is in the books. Thanks for listening to the show. 
To receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes, fill out the required information, and select the code Expect Excitement. Again, the code for this episode is Expect Excitement. Remember, keep an ear out for the next episode, always on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each episode's on demand, so when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. As always, stay classy, Ishim Nation, and we'll see you next time.